Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your love for us. That love that draws us back to the pathway you would have us follow in our lives. We pray that when we lose sight of that which you've shown us, that we may quickly sharpen our focus and follow the way that your son Jesus showed us when he was here on earth. Amen. Please be seated. Before I get started, I, I must admit I got so wrapped up in the gospel when I was preparing this morning that I really didn't spend much time on the first lesson, which is from Joshua. And I just have to make a comment on that most wonderful little phrase that you heard today, um, because it, it feeds exactly into what I'm going to be saying about the gospel. And that is, this is at the end of the book of Joshua, where, you know, they're in the land, uh, Moses has been put to sleep, and Joshua is the one that, and Caleb, of course, were the two that were chosen to enter, the, into, enter Canaan. But then he's, he's refreshing himself, he's, he wants to renew the covenant, and he says, but if serving the Lord, he's speaking to the people and, and drawing them together and trying to say, are you ready to do this? Are you going to have a covenant with the Lord? And he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers, forefathers served before the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That is so powerful to me. It says so much because it speaks to us today. Who are you going to serve? The gospel passage, which you heard beautifully read by Deacon Bob, begins with our Lord stating, I think fairly clearly, that one can only have one boss. And I'm pretty sure when I say boss here, that I'm not referring to a man's wife. <laughs> no, I, I think Jesus was referring to the fact that as we go through life and are faced with forks in the road, and we must make a decision concerning our direction, that such decision should be under the direction of a spiritual boss. Jesus then moves on to giving comely examples of what one might reflect upon when one is facing such decision trees or forks in the road to help with urging one to go in one direction or the other. All of these examples, if you read through them, and I think there are seven, if we need reminding, that God is involved totally in our lives and in such fashion that so long as we strive to be part of God's kingdom, we shall receive all that we need. Now, as I thought about these teachings that are in this gospel passage, it seemed to me that this is all about focus and just where our focus is. And so, a few thoughts about focus. And as we think about this, I'd ask you to ask yourselves, where is my focus? For those of you, and I think most of you were here last week, you heard Father Michael preaching from chapter 5 of St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, contrasting Paul's sin list with Paul's list of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I shall not recite the sin list again. It's too depressing, and it's kind of too reminiscent of the secular world out there. 
<coughs> but the gifts of the Spirit, the list of the gifts of the Spirit is uplifting. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. What a wonderful list that is. We should all have it on our mirror in the morning before we leave the house, I'm convinced. On the same topic, St. Paul is more succinct in Romans chapter 8. Where Paul says, St. Paul says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Oh, there's another fantastic passage as far as I'm concerned. Kind of puts it all together. This is a pithy statement to be sure, but I think it may be helpful when we superimpose a lens through which we look at our behavior. We don't need any list at all. What does all this have to do with focus? Well, just about everything. Because if our focus is clearly on Jesus Christ and his way, and we consequently have our minds set on things of the Spirit, it follows automatically that we'll not even allow our thoughts to drift toward the behavior on the sin list. We'll be all about those gifts of the Spirit that I mentioned. So, let me outline three points that I believe are important regarding focus. First, set your focus on Jesus Christ. Make the decision to follow his way and then stick to that like glue. Here, I like the words of the Quaker Thomas Kelly. I think you've heard me mention him before. In his book, Testament of Devotion. Kelly speaks of decidedness in a Christian. Decidedness. And he emphasizes that true decidedness is not a consequence of doctrine, but of life orientation. And this is what I mean when I talk about focus. Our focus in life is really our life orientation. It is this life orientation that is so important. It's hardly crucial if one follows a particular church doctrine or denomination if his or her behavior is entirely out of sync with the way. And some folks, unfortunately, are far more into the doctrine or the dogma of a particular faith than into the life space that eventuates from a love of Jesus Christ and an attitude toward things worldly that is decidedly not mainstream. Max Lucado, or Lucado, Johnny, how do you pronounce it? <laughs> Gives a good example from Psalm 57, where he talks about David running from Saul and hiding in a cave. David has a price on his head. He turns, he, he also has no place to lay his head, 
but somehow he keeps his head. He turns his focus to God and finds refuge. There's that focus word. David focuses and says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul rests in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge. How beautiful is that? David here is demonstrating decidedness, and in that we get a look at his life space. This past week, one of my homilies at the chapel concerned Mother Teresa. You know her. She was that saintly woman who worked for so many years in the desperate slums of Calcutta. You all know that. But did you know that she has many quotable quotes ascribed to her? I didn't. One time she noted, there are so many religions and each one has its different ways of following God. Then, speaking for herself, she says, I follow Christ. Jesus is my God. Jesus is my spouse. Jesus is my life. Jesus is my only love. Jesus is my all in all. Jesus is my everything. I should have such focus. Second thought on focus. Once you've determined and set your focus, do not be resistant to refining it, or better, sharpening it. So long as one is reading Holy Scripture daily and meeting God daily in prayer, because you've never heard me say this before, she or he will continue to grow in Christ. Please, oh please, remember that prayer should be a delight and a privilege, not just an obligation or duty. The truth is that despite our sinful lives and repeated failures, we have unrestricted access to Almighty God. We get to spend unlimited time with Him whenever or wherever we want. And as we do this, as we practice the presence of God, and that's certainly not my own, as Deacon Bob knows, and as we are sanctified more and more by the action of the Holy Spirit, there will be times when it is very clear that one's focus must be refined. One must not be rigid. One must be flexible enough to recognize when there are changes that need to be made. Now let me be clear here, I sound like Obama, that I'm not talking about an entire starting over. We're not to chuck our focus and redirect totally. No, this is a refining or refocusing or in current parlance, a nuancing. Although possibly a cliche, recall that God opens and closes doors in our lives for us. And this may not always be what we think is best for us, but God does it his way. 
and we need to be accepting and, yes, expectant when we hear from God that we should do this and not do that. And this will point clearly at times to a need to refine and or sharpen our focus. This is maturing in Christ, where we must find ourselves becoming more and more completely obedient to divine rule. Now, this may not happen right away, after we begin to focus. Our aim should be to be reconciled completely with God, and at least for most folks, this takes time. It takes exposure and worship with other believers, and not in a blog, and not in Facebook. So that proper perspective develops. And here, I think of our community of believers right here that I love so much. Just being here with you, with you all, does much for my continued growth in Christ. Third thought on focus. Live out your focus. That brings to mind a Sunday school story I heard. The teacher asked the child, is your father a Christian? The girl answered, yes, I believe that father is a Christian, but he has not worked much at it lately. Be sure that everything that you do in your daily interactions with others is consonant with the focus. Work at it, unlike the little girl's father. You will fail. And sadly, you will fail repeatedly. I'm an expert. I know, because I fail frequently. I lose focus, and my focus wanders. And when I become aware of the wandering, I recall that old prayer, I think it's in a collect, pardon our wandering hearts and our cold desires. That prayer, to me, surely seems to be a response to drifting focus. All I can say here is that one must examine one's motives frequently and pray for godly discernment before jumping in to situations. This has been said many ways. Recall, keep a rein on your tongue. Boy, I wish I could do that. And how about look before you leap? We could have spent a lot of time on any of those clarifying examples in the gospel passage that the Lord gives us. But I'm going to close <clears throat> by mentioning one that is near and dear to my heart. Jesus tells us not to worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough to worry about itself. I must admit that I have always been a worrier. And I'm looking at my wife now to see if she agrees with that. I could blame my upbringing, and I often do. But that would be too easy, and so I won't do that. As I have aged and I hope matured, our Lord's do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own, has hit me on the head more than once, and it is excellent advice. Let's face facts. We are worth a lot to the Lord. He has created us. He has gotten us 
to where we are today, and he will continue to love us with his great mercy and according to his will. So listen to Jesus. Stop fretting about things that may never, ever come to be. Be concerned about those things that are already in your face. God will provide all the essentials so long as you keep things in proper focus. And you're all experts on that by now after this sermon. <laughs> I can promise you that if you have faith in our loving God, he will pick you up when you are down. He will carry you along through all those messy day-to-day -day things that are out there ready to trip you up, to be stumbling blocks in your life. Remember that Jesus told us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.